The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. Today's guest, Evan Russick, co-founder and head of strategy and accounts at Work in Progress Boulder, Colorado. You might know them best for their work on Domino's, but they're doing a ton of incredible work for so many other amazing brands. Work in Progress has been named an Ad Age A-list standout in 2022, twice recognized by Ad Age's Small Agency Awards, and shortlisted for Campaign US's Independent Agency of the Year in 2023. We talk about the business savvy that he picked up as he grew up, his journey through the world of beer, and building a new agency from scratch. Boulder has always been a special place for me, since that's where I found my path into advertising and marketing. And Work in Progress is an incredible example of how the shops under the flat irons are no joke. I've been very excited to get back behind the mic and pumped to share this episode with you. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Cooper Kolvik. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Evan. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for for joining me on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honored to be to be on it. So we always start off with my guest breaking and entering story. And throughout our episode episodes, we've noticed that there's um, a few trends, a couple paths that people go down to to end up in the world of advertising and marketing. One of which is they they find it in school or from someone they know and latch on to it and love it immediately. That's kind of the path I ended up on. Whereas yours uh, falls down that second path of ending up in the marketing world through the, your own happenstances and scenarios. So how about we start there and, and learn about how you got into the industry and why? Sure. Yeah. I think I think I was destined, but I didn't realize it. And the reason I say I was destined is because I grew up in a family business. My mother started a jewelry company in the 70s, which was abnormal at the time for a woman to be starting a, a business that she grew into quite a, a big company of over 120 employees and sold her jewelry through Bloomingdale's and other major department stores and then had her own freestanding stores. The reason I say all this is because I grew up having dinner every night with her, hearing about her issues with our business. So I, in essence, went to business school through elementary, through middle and elementary, middle school and high school and college, which is pretty cool looking back on it. And her business was heavy marketing focused and manufacturing. She was making jewelry. So that led me to get into making beer. I love beer, oddly enough. I'm just kidding. That's not odd at all. <laughs> I went to college in Wisconsin and probably consumed too much beer, but realized that it was something that I wanted to make. And at the time, craft breweries were just starting, brew pubs were just starting when I was in college. And so I was exposed to that, um, that world and graduated from college and went and got a job at a brewery and realized that that's where I wanted to be and spent about 10 years doing different roles and ended my brewing career being director of sales and marketing. So I developed sales programs. So did ride-alongs with distributors. Um, and then I started developing advertising out of home, billboards, radio. So I was buying media. I was working with DJs to do reads and I was working with a freelance copywriter to write headlines. And I was sort of piecing together a team to make, make advertising. And I was leading that charge from a business and strategy and, you know, communications objective standpoint. And that's what led to me getting a job at an ad agency. I was in Salt Lake City at the time, living in Park City, working in Salt Lake City. And there was a huge agency in Salt Lake that was owned by the Euro RCG network. And they were famous for doing the Intel inside campaign and Bunnyman. And it took me a little, a little bit of time to convince the partner there to hire me, but that's how I got into the world of advertising. That's awesome. There's, there's a lot going on there. So you go from brewing to different jobs around the the breweries and ending up in the marketing and in sales world, did you have a mentor or people around you to to help guide this sort of work? How how did you end up finding success in in that role? So many. I think I've been fortunate to have had 
a lot of mentors in my career and in my life. And I, I think that's just my personality too. I sort of sought that out at the time. And so there's one, one person in the beer world that I got connected with. Actually, he was the first, it was the first brewery I worked at Breckenridge Brewery. He came from Coors as the brewmaster. He was a brewmaster at Coors and he came over and he helped make Breckenridge Brewery in the, in the inception. And I learned a lot from him and I would pull a lot from him. And then the guy who started the first brewery actually in Utah, Greg Scherf, he would always give me guidance along the way, even when I wasn't working for him. So, you know, I think, I think people naturally want to help and you just have to ask them and maybe ask them at the right time. And then they'll, they'll offer guidance. The key is listening to what they're saying. We oftentimes don't want to hear what others have to say. We think we know all the answers, but there's a lot to be gleaned by what others have to share from their experiences and their perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I love about, about this industry and, um, any of the different roles that you're in, whether you're creative account or, or strategy, you have to have this, this curiosity to, to know more and to dig deeper, to end up finding some, some sort of success, but that goes wider to ourselves outside of our jobs and in general. And that's super cool and totally, totally agree with you. So what, what kind of pushed you to, to make the jump out of the, the brewing marketing world to then straight into an agency? I think I realized that I was probably topping out in the beer world and, and, you know, breweries are all, they're all small businesses and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's no dissimilar to, to our business today is that a, I think a good business has the, the founders are actively involved and in the brewery I was working in, the founders were actively involved and I was very close to them, super tight, actually friends before, before I became an employee for them. So. I could have, and I, I just think I do this anyways, is I could have just real honest conversations with them. And there was an opportunity to invest more money in marketing and advertising to really grow the brewery. And then there was a need to perhaps incentivize me more. And I didn't see those things happening. And so um, I felt like I'd done a, a, about 10 years in that industry and I was topping out. And my next move was to probably start a brewery. And that was really daunting to me. Um, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to do that. So I, I had a friend who was working at this agency, DSW in Salt Lake, and he would always tell me about it and it sound, sounded really cool. And, and so it was through him that I got exposed to that. I didn't really know too much about the advertising world. And then once I went there and did an interview there, I was like, this seems really, you know, really exciting, very different, um, a whole new uh, world, a whole new set of skills to learn. And I like the notion of having a beginner's mindset and putting yourself in a situation to constantly be learning new things. So I think that's what, what sort of led to it. Yeah. So how'd you get oriented within this world? They have a bunch of different players, lots of different roles, a ton of different directions to go in with that, that beginner's mindset. How, how did you make your way from Salt Lake city to Boulder? Well, I spent, I got, I think I've been really fortunate to have chosen good places to work, work at and, and I've had good mentors and bosses really, because I think that's, that's what's enabled me to learn and excel in my career. There's a lot of people who have helped get me to where I am today. And I'm surrounded by four partners and, you know, 50 other people in this building who help me every day. But, uh. You know, I spent a number of years working at DSW and I went from an account manager to a group account director. And I, I think it just was where I belonged because I excelled really quickly. Um, and so it was clearly tapping into innate skills from those, you know, business dinners every night with my mother, uh, talking about how to solve, you know, what, whatever supply chain or marketing or, you know, employee issue, whatever it is, I just think it was, it was it was built in. And so it was just untapped at that point. And then I had my own agency after working at DSW in Park City because um, I just, I became disenchanted to be honest. And I was like, I wanna figure out how to do something 
positive. And I also wanted to get more into design and brand identity and a little bit more strategy. And so I did that. And then uh, the global recession was uh, eminent, was hitting, I think it was 09. And I'm like, this is not going to last. My biggest client was just purchased and I could tell that was going to go away and it was getting really tough and project work was drying up. So I had told my wife, I was like, when we, I started my own agency, I was like, I will only go to work. If it doesn't work out, that's totally fine. There's three, there's only three agencies I'd go to work for. And one of them was Crispin. One was Wyden Kennedy and the other was, was Goodby. And so I was on Twitter and I saw that Alex had sent a tweet out looking for, you know, certain types of people, account director. And I responded to his tweet and then I got a message from him and I, I he's like, send me an email. And I spent, you know, I was like, who knows where this is going to go? Make sure you write a good email. So I spent some time making sure I wrote a good email and I got a response. And then uh, I, then I was on a call and then I was out there and I think I probably went out three times and then the job opportunity dried up. And so this was all in the course of like starting, let's say in May and it dried up in July and, you know, like I needed the job, right? We were pregnant with our second child and it was like, this is not, I need, I need something. So in typical fashion for myself, I just hounded them and called and emailed either called once a week or emailed once a week, I stayed in contact and kept asking and asking and asking. And then finally, um, in November, they're like, Hey, there's a opening on Domino's account. You know, the, the person who runs it wants to meet with you. You fly down to Miami. And I did, and I got offered the job. And so that was the end of 09. We moved to Boulder in 2010. That's incredible. That, so then you, you jumped on the, the Crispin train kind of, I wouldn't say it like at the end, but you, you caught them at the, they, they were the, the big, one of the biggest shops. You named the three biggest shops of the, of the time of where, where you wanted to go to and, and folks still reference the work that, that comes from Crispin to this day and plenty of agencies, mine included. Did you find that you were able to re-enchant yourself and, and, uh, re like, open and, and find those avenues within the, the branding and, and strategy world to progress and push yourself from there? Without a doubt. Like I, I realized with, I realized probably like three months in why I got hired and why I belong there, which was there, that, that environment was so suited to entrepreneurial thinking and self-starters and you know, people who, who could devise a plan and then go and assemble the right people to execute the plan. You still had to be, you know, I think humble and nice and approachable about the plan, but, and, and inclusive. Um, I think there's a lot of people who try to do that, who don't have those traits. Right. But, um, it was, it was amazing. And I knew that I needed to make the most out of it. And so I set some very clear goals of coming in of what I wanted to accomplish. And I mean, I got really lucky as well because the people I got paired with were incredible. So I was paired with longtime Crispin people in Miami who taught me everything about Crispin and the ethos of Crispin. And I was paired with some young um, creatives who had been there six months before I arrived who were insanely talented. And there was a core team emerging of, of, of people who were insanely talented at creative technology and at UX and at production, and we all came together. So, you know, when I look back at it now, it, it was all by happenstance, but it was a pretty amazing team that was just assembled. So someone in the recruiting group was probably doing a good job and the leaders, of the departments were doing a good job in terms of who they hired. And so we had a really powerful team that was very fixated on using creativity to drive, you know, business results to drive business transformation. And that's what we got hooked on. And that's what I got hooked on was how are we going to continue to deliver uh, sales? That moniker for Domino's, the benchmark for Domino's was same store sales growth. So how are you going to do that quarter after quarter after quarter? And for that whole team and that team today are my partners, right? So that's the other part that's crazy is that the team that I got paired with, we we became co-workers and then we became friends and now we're, 
now we're business partners and we're been doing it now together for 13 years, just in different places. So I, I got completely reconnected uh, and reignited and it was, that place was amazing for us. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to uh, get into the shop a couple of times for for school projects while I was at, at Boulder. And I think a lot of the work that we got to see up on the walls there was, I think, still fruit of the loom. But the the energy in in that big space was was it was different, and and you could just tell the thinking was different, the energy was different, and it kind of gave me that that taste of like, all right, so this is what it's supposed to to look feel like when you see the marketing advertising machine operating the way that that it should or at at the the highest level, and it was truly incredible. Now, the most important question about your time there, did you end up getting one of the the desks and the and the, pl- the plywood desks? Plywood desks. I was in an office that was covered with plywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but your comment about the energy, I remember walking into there for my first interview and I, op- I opened the door and walked in and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like you could just, the place... That place definitely was humming when you walked in there and there was something about it and it was so powerful. And so I hope that we, I hope that when people come into our office that they they feel a hum and an energy and a vibration off everybody who's in here, who's focused on, you know, doing great work. I, I think we have it, but there's nothing, like, I don't know that. I mean, there's a lot of people in that building and a lot of smart people and passionate people that that energy was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one that I I don't think I'll I'll forget, and am excited to for myself even recreate it or and uh, in any way that I can can personally. Um, and it's something that any folks who are who are listening that that love this industry and care about this industry and love the work that they do that there are places out there where like minded, passionate people converge and, and create really in, incredible stuff. And you yeah. have sense me yeah. some, something for yourself. Yeah. And I think the other thing to remember too is, and this is really hard. And I, I mean, I have to do this constantly remind myself this, but like the reason why a place has such powerful energy is probably because of how people orient themselves against the work that needs to be done. So like we can either think of the work as mundane, boring, not great. We can think of the brief as, uh, can't believe the brief is for email or, you know, uh, secondary channel or homepage or whatever it may be. And we can think about the feedback as, ugh, the feedback is just a bunch of complaints and it's negative. So we can orient ourselves that way, or we can orient ourselves into a much better positive mindset, which is no, what is, how am I going to, create the best email program possible? How am I going to create best social post possible? How am I going to take this brief that doesn't seem exciting on paper and make it something that's exciting? And I think that is the, that's the key to creating really powerful energy in a building. And then how do I take the feedback and hear and listen to the feedback and understand what the feedback is so that then I can push, have a conversation about the feedback to really get to what the root of the problem might be. It's never just in that first sentence of, right? It's buried somewhere underneath, under layers. And it takes the ability to hear that and then to re- respond in a, in, a, in a friendly manner to allow a conversation to ensue and a, even a debate to ensue in a positive manner to be like, but what is the real issue? And then once you can get to that real issue, that real problem, then you're like, there's a huge m- number of unlocks because now you know what the problem is. So then you can go back and use strategic thinking or creativity to solve that problem. So I think it's all about how you orient yourself. And I have a feeling that there was a lot of people who were orienting in the right direction in that building. And that's what created all of that, that energy. And so that's what we're trying to do today and every brief that we work on and every client engagement that we have is be that kind of partner. Yeah, that's super interesting. And brings up a, a a huge point that if you're the entry level person or someone who's just getting their feet wet within 
the the industry or at your your first first job at an agency that okay you've got your your brief for a, a social e- execution or like you you mentioned that that email campaign and it might feel like you don't have a lot of control over that energy or or what you can really bring to the table because you're confined by the the medium or the tactic or whatever it is that's been thrown across your desk, but that you actually have the greatest opportunity to make a real impact on, even if it is just the tactical level, that if you can do that from an execution below the line, that you will slowly begin to prove that you can do that all the way up to the strategic partnership level. 100% without a doubt. So it's like, how do you, it's basically how do you look at every opportunity as as an equal opportunity and not dismiss it because it's for, you know, a lower level channel or something that's lower in the funnel or whatever it may be. There's opportunity abounds everywhere. And then that's how you prove your, like you're saying, how you prove your value to the agency you're working with. But that's really how an agency proves its value to the brand that it's partnered with because that marketing team then looks at the agency in a different lens. And it's like, they're, they're taking every assignment from us seriously. And they're looking at, they're looking at the assignment for not just what it is, but how to, how to, how to make it bigger than what it is. And then you, I think there's some sort of filter that has to be applied there because sometimes you have to recognize, no, this is just what it needs to be. And, Mm -hmm. and, and don't, don't try to overthink it, but within the confines of the ask, how do you just, how do you bring something that's going to push a little bit higher than just if you just, you know, you just mailed it in, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. That, that no matter how small or scary or shitty the assignment might sound that those are the ones that you should actually salivate over because you have, I mean, with any assignment, you have just huge potential to, to prove your worth and and make, make a meaningful outcome for your team, your client, anyone that's around you. And that's something that always keeps my engine going as, as I go, go through, um, the day to day, but yeah, it's pretty awesome. And sometimes the way you handle that too, is like, is say, Hey, here are three ways to solve what you asked for in the brief. And now here are three completely different ways that push the boundaries or that go beyond, you know, the realm of, of what you had asked for. It might go beyond the realm of the budget and the, the, you know, whatever, if there's a media expenditure and a production budget, whatever it may be. And so if you do it that way, then that also benefits you massively too, because the, the brand team that you're working with will be like, oh, well, so they gave me what I'm asking for, but then they gave me three more things that are pushing beyond what I asked for. And that's a really respectful way to do it because then you're not burning a bunch of time. So like they might see those three things that push the boundaries and go, great, let's do let's do the thing, the one thing that addresses our brief, but that, that's that other idea that you have now, let's put that on a different track and let's, let's allocate a different budget to that and let's go and make that. And that's a little bit of how to, how to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love the, the, the con like the out of the box, the huge, you know, big idea, thinking and it's something that you're you're always looking for with within your agencies and and it sounded like you through you know, your family your the way you grew up and how you moved through the the beer industry and then into advertising and marketing you were able to pick up the fundamentals along the way that are core to being able to even get to the the big ideas what were those for you and and how can folks think about ensuring that they have a really, really strong fundamental skill set as a strategist or an account person before even getting to that big, huge idea stage? Yeah, I think it's understanding. It's a good question. It's a, it's a really big question too. So I'll I'll, I'll try to understand. Um, I think it's about really understanding why. And I said this earlier, but like to relate it to the feedback, like what, you know, why, but when you're given a, a brief, oftentimes you don't know there's, you, it's not in there as to why 
we're doing this thing. So like, why are we launching this new product? What insight was that product born from? What role does that product play in the business? What problem is it trying to solve within the business? And then within that, there's a whole bunch of other layers, right? Because within that, there could be, um, you know, there could be a consumer perception about the brand. And so this new product innovation is actually meant to address that consumer, that negative consumer perception. But that's not written in the brief that way, you know? So I, I do like, I, I do feel like an account person and a strategy person is a bit of a detective because you're trying to uncover clues and then chase those clues down to see what what's in there to to then understand because maybe sometimes people like maybe sometimes the people who are writing the brief are are ashamed or are embarrassed or aren't being vulnerable enough to like just express express the true situation right and so there's people who write great briefs without a doubt and then there's sometimes a brief that isn't so great and it's just a matter of asking the right questions, which I think is just being, you know, a bit of a detective of, of like, well, where did this product feature come from? How was it created? Who was it created for? What is the research that led to it? What's the consumer insight? What's the consumer need? It's, it's, you know, what's, like I said, what's the barrier? What are all those things? And then this product feature, like, how is it, how is it integrated into the whole communications plan for, for the year? And is, is it the message really supposed to be about the feature or is the feature just part of the message? And we really need to talk about something at a little bit of a higher level for the brand. So it's, I would say that it's about some level and some degree of forensics that are wrapped around understanding the business and then understanding the brand and, and the, the marketplace's perception of that brand. So those are that, that forms a triad where there's a lot of information to be gleaned that becomes relevant to the brief and whatever that brief might be about. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So in, ensuring that you've done a, a really deep diagnosis to totally understand why, to your point, to, to, to loop ourselves back, the, the five why framework. At, at my agency, whenever, you know, we, we start asking questions, it's, it's always the first place to start. We dump everything that we have on the board, you five Wyatt. And if we're really struggling in a brainstorm or in a, a problem solving session, it usually means we haven't answered the right questions or even asked the, the right questions at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then I think for us too, what it started to do was start to understand start to start to push the the understanding of of the overall challenge or goal to a little bit of a higher level than to so that you say well if this is our if this is our objective then how are we going to achieve it and you start to uncover areas that you can do ideation against to achieve that and so then it gives purpose to a product feature you know like with a, a great example for Domino's was this that was this notion of <clears throat> how do we how do we take advantage of online ordering because we knew at the time that a small percentage of orders was coming on from online but we knew that online orders had a huge benefit to the to the business from customer satisfaction to average ticket to everything and so that was that was that revealed itself as a business opportunity, which then set up a roadmap of briefs and of new product innovations that lasted, that are still happening today, that are trying to increase, not trying, that have increased the percent of orders that are made online, but have demonstrated and proven and shown that Domino's isn't just a company that makes and delivers pizza, it's also a technology company. And then within that, that did so many things for the, for the brand and the business because it modernized the brand and the business. It made it appeal to a younger consumer. And then, you know, it changed how the market, the, the investment market would, would view Domino's and it started to change how they value Dom- Domino's and it changed the valuation model perspective as 
it's a technology company, rightly so, because it has invested so much in technology. So I think when you start doing it that way, you start to understand that this, you start to understand the role and the place of this one brief. And then it gives a framework for everything moving forward. So it really actually takes you from a short-term view to a long-term view. All of this is insanely hard to get an organization to do, by the way, because it's, because we're so driven by short-term results and rightly so, like we have to be, right? We have, we can't say it's coming, it's coming. We have to be focused on the short-term, but we need to have a plan for the long-term. And those, those things have to be in service of one, one another. And so we have to, you have to look at both and then you have to create that relationship between the two. And that's what started to happen for us. And that's what we do today with the brands that we work, work with. Sort of in line with the, the work that Peter Field and Les Bennett are doing with the, the long and the short of it. You need to have your, your long-term brand building initiatives out driving for, for future growth, but also having your short-term tactics and strategies in place to make sure that you're harvesting what's going on right now. And if you can find a balance between those two, then it, you're, you're off to the races. I do know that I had a mentor at the first agency I worked at. He was one of the partners, um, Alan Rygaard, who hired me. Um, and he would always say sales overnight, brand over time. And I, and I, you know, I think that's pretty good mantra to have. Yeah, that's a, it's a really easy way to, to, to think about it. So back to when you're, you're outlining the thought process and how you guys got to revolutionizing the way Domino's did its online ordering. I can't imagine that the client brief or ask was, Hey, come in and revolutionize this for us. Right. How, how did you come from whatever the ask was in the, in the client brief to something that's so profound on, on the other end? Um, and then to your point, make it happen. Cause that's the, the hardest part is one, getting the client to sign off on it. And then, then it's execution from there. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was part of everything else that was going on. It wasn't the sole thing that was being done, meaning you know, there was other product innovations taking place and other promotion, national promotional windows that were needing to be done um, and briefs tied to those. What happened was that we started to see the opportunity in the digital space and so did they. And then, of course they saw it, right? They, I mean, they, they innovated delivery, they innovated, you know, they, they created online ordering. They knew what was coming and they were investing in that. And then what we did was start to show them the power of what digital could enable in terms of a promotional window um, and an advertising campaign and how it could drive earned media um, and how it could create a conversation around the business and how it could change the conversation around the business. Like we're talking about and make the brand feel more modern and make it appear in different places. So if that, that's what really started to happen was if we, if we start to do this, look at what it can unlock. And then it became a joint effort between the team and them saying, setting a goal and they embraced it and they set a goal, uh, and they, they set the goal they wanted to achieve with online orders, which then allowed their organization to rally around it. So then everybody, it's just, I mean, I think it's class, I think it's classic, classic business, you know, business strategy, which is what's our goal? What are we trying to achieve? And then if we have this goal, everybody's working towards it. And so I make it sound so easy. I don't think it was overly hard. I just, I, I think we're really fortunate. We're really lucky. We had a killer team. They're an incredible partner. And, and it was the right opportunity to invest in digital and it, it, it paid off. The, the way that we made it happen and the way that we sustained it was just by understanding what the limitations were and what the challenges were and having a test and learn mindset and being patient and trying something on a smaller scale and proving to eat each other what the return on the investment could be and then understanding the technology limitations and then working within that framework and then creating roadmaps for 
uh, new infrastructure so that additional things could be done. So it was always it was always the balance of are we are we doing enough to service the immediate need, which is driving sales, but are we also creating a pipeline of work together that can unlock new new innovations that we can then bring to market? And it's creating that roadmap, and it's being it's it's being respectful to both to the to a business's side because a business has a lot of things going on, and agency is just focused on one small piece of what a business is doing. So you have to be super respectful of that business machine and everything they have going on and figure out how to navigate and how to support and then how to, how to wait. Right. And so then, and then it just became this, then it just became this machine and everybody started to get hooked on the the results of it and the power that it had. And so, and then it just kept going. So, I mean, it was sort of, it, it became self-fulfilling, I guess, in a way, if you will. Yeah. It's, it's super exciting. And, and and fun to talk about the scenario that had so much success, like your your time on on Domino's. Would you say that campaign, that client had the largest effect in the trajectory to where you are now? Or was there a team scenario, other client that that had the most profound ex- experience on you and pushed you and your partners to end up opening your own shop? I would say that there's five partners. Matt, who leads creative, Al, he leads the Domino's account today, and he was leading it at, at Domino's, I mean, at Crispin, sorry, um, when we when we departed. And Harold, who leads technology, is another partner, and he leads technology at the HC in Stafford, who, leads, who was leading production on it at Crispin and leads production at the agency. We were all impacted by it, like, without a doubt. And it, it's what brought us all together. It's actually what allowed us to formulate our action-based approach. And it's what it's what gave us the desire to say, can we apply this to different categories? And I mean, the fact that we got to work at Crispin and on Domino's and we got to do what we did on Domino's is, I don't know that you get that that often in your career. And the fact that we're doing it again is very, unheard of you know you rarely get a second chance you rarely get to work on the same brand a second time at a different agency it's a little it it's a it's pretty incredible and so yeah it's it's that's what propelled us and to have them back and to be working with them again within work in progress is amazing and they're still an incredible partner and they still push us forward and push us on our thinking and our approach they, that approach that we have, this action based approach has proven to work in a bunch of different categories. So um, we've applied it to financial, we've applied it to CPG, whether it be, you know, food, coffee, you know, confectionery, we've applied it to CPG in terms of alcohol. We're about to apply it to uh, the TV subscription, you know, service provider, OTT, you know, over the top. And so, yeah, I mean, without, without Crispin and Domino's, there wouldn't be work in progress. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I know you guys are doing great work too. Pretty sure. I know you guys have at least one S- FE this year, which is pretty exciting. That is a big deal in the sense of like, they're all, you know, awards are great. And because it's a, it's being acknowledged by the peers, your peers in the, in the ad community and the work's getting recognized and we all like recognition. And, and, and so it makes, it makes you feel good, but it also is an acknowledgement of the, that work being impactful. And in the case of the Effies, it's an acknowledgement of the work being effective. And that's an important measurement for us because there, it, it's connected. Like the advertising has to drive sales just that's how we look at it. So to win an FE for a campaign that the the team at work the team that work in progress did called carry out tips which was tipping you to be the carry out driver to be the driver of bringing the pizza home. You know, that that was a very successful campaign and to have it recognized by winning an FE is 
is a, a good acknowledgement of of the work and and of the effort the team made on both sides too, because that wasn't an easy thing for Domino's to to implement, right? So it just shows the power of creativity as it relates to driving business results, which which is a big focus for us. Yeah, and I know effectiveness is the the term that that is getting hotter and hotter and hotter with with each year, and as I think even more folks on on the client side are are bringing that mindset it, it's a great way for for the clients and agencies to meet with over a, a unified goal rather than crossing this kind of dark chasm of like i'm the client and i need something and i'm not totally sure but i know you guys are creative and you guys want your creative awards too to where the two the two come together and and uh synchronize that that effort and it's uh epic to to see you guys doing that with with Domino's. And I know a large part of that is the approach to the work at, at Work in Progress where you're taking uh, an action-based approach. Can you walk me through what that looks like? Doing a brand action is to stand out from the competition, cut through the competition. You're clearly in a commoditized category. You're trying to differentiate yourself. So what's something that you can do that's intrinsic to your brand? That's a demonstration of what you passionately believe in, right? It shows how obsessed you are. So that action you take will allow you to stand out from your competition because it's something that they're, they, they're not doing or couldn't do. And then by virtue of that, it does create a valuable conversation around the brand that's strategically in line because it's a representation of what the brand stands for. And then it should be able to become advertising that paid media can be put against. So that's how we look at an action. And that's how, when we're looking at other work, that's kind of the lens in which we're viewing it as is like, is that, is that thing that the brand's doing? Is that a rep, is that tied to what the brand stands for? Is that, is that unique enough to create a conversation? Is that conversation going to lead to compelling advertising? Is that advertising going to be memorable enough to drive sales? That that's sort of how we look at it. Yeah. So is is the the term action for for you and and work in progress the the line that you draw between disrupting within a category for the sake of disrupting and being flashy and actually driving effectiveness and a business result on the other end. The line is differentiation. How can we take an action to differentiate ourselves from the competition? So we're seeking a memorable differentiation. So emoji ordering for Domino's is, is memorable differentiation. Pinpoint delivery, which was just launched, deliver pizza to wherever you are, is a memorable differentiation. So that, so that's, and, and it makes sense because we're the delivery experts. So as the, as it were, well, we're the innovators of delivery. So if we innovated delivery pizza via car, then shouldn't we be the ones that, you know, innovate, will deliver pizza to wherever you are. So that action then is in line with what the brand stands for and then can lead to memorable creative because, you know, we have people flying out of the sky with a pizza, you know, and flames extinguishing off their feet as they land because they're like little mini rocket ships, you know, descending upon the consumer who's ordered the pizza. So like, I think it, it leads to creative that then is dip, is memorable. So in the action is what led that, and then it can create a conversation around it because it's something that no one else is doing. So that's how we would look at it. So you have like three kind of core, core boxes that, that you're checking. You're aligned to the brand's purpose, why, why it's there. Um, in line with a business goal, but then reaching your your long-term brand memory, making sure that you're mentally available with your consumers and then bringing it to life within tactics and, and medias that can see results in the short term. Yeah. And yeah. And like you just said two words that reminded me of someone who I think you've had on your program for, which is Byron, Byron Sharp, who uh, wrote the book, How Brands Grow. And, you know, his that the research that his team did around media is really, really powerful. And so 
the notion for us is that we do believe that an action can lead to more memorable creative. And when you start picking up on what he, what they write about in the book, that more memorable creative needs to run with less frequency. So you can reach more people with less frequency because the, the creative is more memorable. And then to your, your, you use the words mental availability, which they talk about is we only have so much mental availability. So how do we occupy that limited space in a consumer's brain? So when they think of the category, they think of our brand, you know, so if they think of pizza, they think of Domino's. If they think of, of, um, of, uh, coffee, they think of Nescafe. If they think of, um, uh, malt beverage, they think of Mike's Heart Lemonade. Like if, so it's like through, it's through that recall, through the action you take for that, that, that brand. So yeah, so that's how we, that's how we look at it. Yeah, absolutely. So then if, if we're using the second half of that, where you have your physical availability, that's, that's how it comes to life in, in the short term. Are you, are you showing up in ways that are, are meaningful and align with the market? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we did something for uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade where, remember the cat lawyer? Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade in its inception had the tagline, a hard day calls for a hard lemonade. And so we tapped into that and we tapped into that cultural moment with the cat, with the Rod was his name. And we, we sent him, we reached out to him, got in touch with him, sent him some, he went and got some mics. And we recorded him and we made a, you know, we recreated that whole scenario with the judge and everything and with the cat filter and then it resolved to, you know, him removing it and then being able to get a sip of, you know, well, you can't show him drinking, but it was, you know, it got to pay off a hard day calls for hard lemonade. So you can absolutely do that. And you have to be very attuned to what's happening in culture and figure out ways to tap into that for sure. And then act fast on it because this, the, the way the, the market has changed even just the last five years. You have to be lightning fast to, to jump on something like that. Yeah. And I also think it's harder today than ever, even if you jump lightning fast for it to get a lot of press, you know, I just think we're, we're in a different era now where that stuff is not, it's not viewed as unique as much anymore. It has to be, you have to be really tapping into something pretty big. And then there has to be a, not a lot of noise happening for the press to write about it. And it just seems like that 24 hour news cycle. And we have been in, inundated with so much news lately that it's just even harder to break through. So we've talked a lot about the process within work in progress here, your time at Crispin. What's on the horizon? What are you guys looking at right now? How are you innovating and, and, and what's big in the, in the future for, for work in progress and you? Yeah. Well, we just turned seven, which is a big deal. You know, thinking back to 2016, when we started, it's crazy that it's been seven years and it's crazy to think that, you know, we're the size that we are and that, you know, we have dominoes and we just won Sling TV, which is a, which is another healthy size brand and a similar, a similar brand in the sense that it has a, it has a digital platform. It has a digital product like Domino's has a digital platform, which is really great for us because it's, it's how we, how we think. And then, you know, they, they, they invest in paid media, which is great for the action-based approach. And so there's a lot of, um, there's not just a lot of similarities, but there's also, there's also a desire on their side to really push the boundaries of the business and the brand. So it's like, it feels like a similar situation we were in with Domino's and we are in with Domino's today. So it makes us really excited. You know, we, we always talk about how we don't want to become a gigantic agency. We, you know, we love being independent or self-funded. We each, each of the partners put, you know, three grand in to start the agency, which is mind, mind boggling to think that that's how it started. And so we get to, we get to make the decisions that we think are right for the agency and for where we want to take the agency. And so, you know, we are very discerning about what business we bring into the building. We don't want to bring in business that's not right for what we want, not right for our approach and our philosophy, not right for the team that we have. So we're super discerning that way. So I would say we will continue in that path. 
and continue to have controlled growth and make sure that as we win a new piece of business, that we establish it within the, within the agency, that we establish a good workflow, we establish a good team around it, we establish a good process, and that we're creating that, that short-term and long-term roadmap, that pipeline of work that we were talking about, and have that pipeline so we all know what we're doing, right? We do the same thing with Domino's today, even though they've, they've been in the building for three years, coming out in three years, we're still working in the same manner, which is what is the, what does the year look like? And we're planning that in advance and we're mapping that against business objectives. And then we're mapping that against brand objectives and we're matching that against consumer perceptions. We'll do the same thing now with slang and we'll continue to seek opportunities that are both AOR and project-based, but in a very controlled manner. And then an opportunity in, tied to an opportunity where we can really apply our action-based approach because that's, that's what, that's why we started the agency. That's the kind of work that we want to do. And when you deviate from what your DNA is, that's when you get in trouble. And so we're very mindful of that. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Seven's a a big number, a lucky number for for Colorado too. It's John John Elway's number for those who aren't, aren't like Broncos that. fans. But it's it's incredible to know that you guys have a, you know, a really epic group of people doing meaningful work in ways that that are effective for for your clients out of out of Colorado today. And it's been an absolute blast to to have you on the show, Evan. And I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's been really great to talk to you and share the agency. The other thing I'll just say too, is that we want to make sure that we continue to grow and foster a culture that's super inclusive and a culture that allows people to be who they are and do the work that they want to do and have a balance in their life between work and personal time. And that's really, really important to us. And we, we protect that massively and that's led us to have a very high retention uh, rate. And so um, it's another thing that, that we, we spend a lot of time on to make sure that, that it exists in the building. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to hear, hear that too from you because it's easy to, to think that and, and feel that way in concept and in theory and, you know, and, less great places are lose track of that for whatever different reasons and, and ways that the corporate world can, can do that. But I think every, everyone knows that the people are going to perform their best when, when they're happiest, um, to be them true selves, to bring their, their unique and diverse backgrounds and places that are, that are safe and going to uplift that for them. So it's, it's great to hear that and know that they're, there's another place like that in, yeah. in beautiful Boulder. Yeah, totally. Totally. This has been great. So thanks for allowing me to share story of work in progress and some of, some of my career. Appreciate it. Oh, it's been an absolute blast, man. Thanks.